Good morning, everybody. Good to see you this morning. God bless you. Spring is here, hopefully for good, and uh, it's good to see you all this morning. You know, I want to just take a moment and um, uh, sort of give you a little report on last week. We, last week was our Easter week. It was just loaded with uh, events and we just had a great time. Um, Monday evening, we had a Seder meal where we uh, had a, a traditional Jewish Passover meal. Powerful time. We had about 200 people coming and, and uh, just enjoyed the, the lamb and the horseradish and all the stuff that went with it. And uh, we really had a great time. Then on Wednesday night, the youth hosted an extreme Easter. And uh, we had 130 uh, senior high students that came for that uh, event. We had seven of them that received Jesus into their hearts as their Savior, and we're absolutely delighted about that. <clears throat> and then um, Thursday night, we showed the Passion of the Christ movie and had a ministry time at the end of that. About 150 people joined us there. Friday night, I personally, I think we had one of the finest, uh, most uh, really profound Good Friday services that I've ever been a part of myself. And it was just a sweet time. We had about 650 people that joined us as we celebrated uh, just the goodness of God and giving His Son to us on the cross. And then Saturday, or uh, Saturday, of course, we didn't have service. Sunday came around. We had three services. And uh, I, I want to just tell you, church, you're a good church. You did your job. You invited your friends and your family and gave us an opportunity to share this wonderful message of Jesus with people. We had 2,375 people in those three services, which was great. <clears throat> but I, I think is um, probably more exciting to me than that was that we had people sign little cards that just said, Either A, I'm already a Christian, B, I am becoming a Christian today, C, I am considering becoming a Christian, or D, I don't know. And uh, of the cards that we received, 138 people said they had become a Christian that day, which I just go, wow, you know. Um, that's why I signed up. <laughs> that's why I enlisted into this army. We had another, I think, 38 people that said they were considering becoming Christian, and, and another 30 that said, we just don't know. Uh, it was a terrific time. So God bless you guys. And I just want to, I don't do this enough, but I want to tell you that most of what takes place here uh, takes place because of the great staff that I work with and the leaders that work with them. And so could we just take a minute and say thank you to this wonderful staff that we have to work with here today? And just, I just want to bless them. <clears throat> Well, I'm going to start a new series uh, this morning, uh, but before I do, let me read to you something that's very important that we launch our service off with this. This might have happened to a brunette. Um, <laughs> it may have happened to a redhead, but it se seems that it didn't. It happened to a blonde. So, and you know, by the way, someday somebody's going to get up here and tell a, a joke about a short, stocky, uh, going bald, fat guy. But since I've got the mic, let me give you a blonde joke. Um, it says, a blonde woman was having financial trouble, so she decided to kidnap a child and demand a ransom. She went to a local park, grabbed a little boy, took him behind a tree, and wrote a note. I have kidnapped your child. I am sorry to do this, but I need the money. Leave $10,000 in a plain brown bag behind the big oak tree in the park at 7 o'clock a.m. Signed, The Blonde. She pinned the note inside the little boy's jacket and told him to go straight home with the note. 
<laughs> the next morning, she returned to the park to find the $10,000 in a brown bag behind the big oak tree, just as she had instructed. Inside the bag was the cash, but also another note that said, here is your money. I cannot believe that one blonde would do this to another. So, um, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's do some, some serious stuff here. Good stuff. I, I want to talk about, uh, for the next few weeks, uh, the idea, the concept that the, this wonderful gift that God has given to us, this thing called generosity. And I, you know, we have just received our survey back, our congregational survey that we took several weeks ago, and many of you helped us take that, and I think there were about 1,200 responding to that survey that we filled out the little bubble sheets, just to find out who we are. One of the most significant, I think, and maybe even surprising things to me, is that over one-third of our church has only been in the Heartland Vineyard Church for two years or less. So we have one-third of our church very new to this church. And then, as you begin to add up the figures, you find that three-fourths of the church has been in the Heartland Vineyard Church for five years or less. So, a vast majority of the people in this church have been with us five years or less. What that says to me is there's some ground that I think I just need to go back and cover and some things that I need to talk to you about in terms of the beginning of this church and the way that uh, the Lord led us. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the story of how the church was planted but I want to give you one little dialogue that I did have with God one, one morning. It, it, it's been my habit to get up in the morning and pray, and I walk and I pray. And uh, when we lived at 1009 College Street in Cedar Falls, just not far from the university, it's where we planted the church, uh, I would get up in the morning and I would walk out into a cemetery. And it was quiet, and I was able to walk out there. And as uh, far as I know, there weren't many folks out there to bother me, and I could just pray as much as I wanted to. And I remember one day out there, it was about 15 years ago, I was out praying, and I heard the Lord say to me in my heart, now when I say this, I know some people go, that sounds wacky. It's it, it just, I, I, I sensed the Lord speaking into my heart. It was a thought that began to light upon my mind. And I heard the Lord say to me, He said, I'm going to give a gift, I'm going to give a gift to the Cedar Valley. And I, I knew it was time for me to shut up and listen. And then I heard Him say, I'm going to build uh, the Heartland Vineyard Church. And she's going to be a gift to the Cedar Valley. Which really sounded cool to me. I thought, that sounds good. And he he said, and in order for her to be a gift, I'm going to place upon her a rich, rich spirit of generosity. And in that generosity, uh, this church will not be afraid to reach out to people who may otherwise not be reached out to and love people that may not otherwise be people loved by me. It's going to be this, this, this generosity that's going to just begin to break through walls and allow people to enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, it wasn't long after that God even spoke to me several weeks later and said, you know, the people that I bring into this church, I'm going to give you the people that nobody else wants and they're going to become the kind of people everybody wished they could have. And I thought, that's, not, that's see, anytime God talks to you, it's like, this is good. This is a good. But this whole idea of a rich spirit of generosity just really got into me. And, and, and he said, this is the name of my church home. 
Let me say this, that if this is your church home, then that rich spirit of generosity is upon you and in you. It's just part of the deal. And so as I talk about generosity uh, over the next few weeks, I'm not going to you're not going to hear me say you should do this. You ought to do this. Uh, if you really love God, this is what you would do. What I'm going to do is appeal to the heart that already has been placed in you. This this wonderful, rich spirit of generosity that I believe makes this church the kind of church that it is. And I, I got to tell you, I love my church. Uh, I, I would actually, if I weren't the senior pastor, I would still go to this church. I would. This would be my church. Uh, not that there are other wonderful churches in the city. There are. There are wonderful pastors in this city. In fact, this week, I'm going to meet with many of them. But I want you to know that I believe it's this spirit of generosity that, by the way, to me is a brilliant, brilliant plan of God to place this upon His people. Uh, because it is a win-win situation always when you operate in generosity. And so I want to talk to you today about that. I'm just going to simply stir up what is already there within you, okay? So let me just add to Jeff's prayer and say, Father, now in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for the richness of the blessing of your heart over us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us and you care for us. And as, as we experience your goodness, we have something then to give. And so, bless now this time as we talk about the Bible. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is generosity? Let me talk to you just for a moment about just definition, okay? Um, generosity is not just an act of giving. Generosity is really more of an attitude. It's something that is within you, that, that just sort of propels you into action. Um, generosity, by Webster's definition, is... Liberality in giving and sharing. He says it is unselfish. And then I like this. Generosity, free from meanness or smallness of mind and character. I like that. See, it's part of your character. It's not something you do. It's something you are. And and, and then he goes on and he says uh, magnanimous. Now, there's a big, you know, (laughs) 25 cent word. Magnanimous means you, you just have this attitude of just being open. Always with people. Your hands are open. Um, high-minded, fertile, prolific. These are words that describe the attitude of generosity. I then did a little study in the Greek language, trying to find out what does the word generosity mean in the Bible in the Greek language. And in the Greek, I, I thought this was interesting. It means ready to distribute. Just a readiness to distribute. And it's, it's, it, I love that concept because it's the attitude of as you walk through life, you're just sort of ready, knowing that everything is God's, none of it's mine, I don't own anything. Uh, when, I, when I die, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, my body's going to go on the ground, I'm going to go to heaven, uh, and I'm not going to take any of this with me. The only thing that I really am going to take with me are the relationships that I nurture and, and I love here upon this earth. Those are the things that I take with me to heaven. I've always said there, there is, you'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer behind it. Because when you leave this earth, you don't take anything with you. It's all God's. But to be ready to distribute, to manage what you have in a way that says, God, it's all yours anyway. And the moment you ask me to be open with whatever I have, I'm willing to give. This is the Greek word. It means generosity, kingly character, noble birth, ordained to be king. See, in the Hebrew mind, they believed that when God would set in a king, the character that most exemplified nobility was generosity. 
And they believed that their kings should live a life of generosity. And uh, when I began to think about this, this noble character, this, this royal nature, I began to think about a verse in the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says this, But you are, you are, he's talking to the people of God, this is who you are. He says, But you are a chosen people. And then he says this, You are a royal priesthood. You're royalty. You're part of the family of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And part of that is this rich spirit of generosity. I mean, if you want a picture of someone who lived their life immensely generous, look at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Look at the person of Jesus. You see a man who never withheld anything from anyone, who just continued to give. I mean, he'd sit down to teach. He would teach with incredible, you know, uh, grace and desire to help people. Then he would decide, hey, these folks need to be fed. And instead of sending them all the way back into the town of McDonald's, hey, let's just start breaking bread. Let's just feed them all. And he's just this giving, giving heart. He would run into these little leprous people who it was illegal to touch them in Israel because their skin was flaking off and falling off. And he would touch them and he would heal them. He was, he was so incredibly generous. He would find people who were deranged in their mind and he would cast out their demons and he would set them free. He, he was a, a generous, magnanimous, beautiful, beautiful man. And, and I tell you that this is the king who models generosity for us because that same spirit that led him and drove him is the same spirit that lives within us. And so... Generosity. It is a brilliant, brilliant plan because anytime you're generous, you enter in to the most wonderful win-win proposition that anybody can ever, ever experience. It is always win-win. When you're generous, let me tell you something. When you're generous, those that receive your generosity, something doesn't just happen good to them. Something happens actually good in them. You know, when you're generous. And you know... Even a wonderful thing about it is when you're generous, not only do they receive something good and something happens in them and to them, something good happens to us when we're generous. Something happens in us and to us and actually happens through us. And then even beyond that, God the Father in heaven is watching what we're doing and He's going, that's my kid. That's my boy. That's my daughter. That's the way they ought to respond to life. And he's up there just applauding. Folks, this is a win-win situation. When we walk our lives out, when we live our lives out in a place of generosity. And so I want to establish this this morning. And then uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk more specifically about how does, what does the Bible teach about generosity. But first of all, I want to say this whole idea of the win-win situation, win-win proposition... Uh, years ago, uh, we had just moved to Alamogordo, New Mexico, which is down in the southern part of New Mexico. And I had taken a job as a high school football coach and a, and a biology teacher. We had moved our family 1,200 miles from Iowa down to New Mexico. Uh, we had two children at that time. Josh was two, Abby was one, and Roylene was expecting Betsy. And I think she was uh, along in her pregnancy about seven months when we got down there. We, we only knew one family in Alamogordo, and that was the head football coach. We had no friends. We had no family. We were so far away from there. I mean, it was kind of a lonely time at, the, at this time. And we had driven our truck up into the driveway. We're getting ready to unload all of our stuff. 
uh, Roylene is getting ready. I mean, she's just a few months from giving birth to uh, this little baby girl who actually was a 10-pound, 3-ounce baby. So, I mean, she's really expecting and, and can't do an awful lot in terms of, you know, hauling sofas and, you know, doing that stuff. And all of a sudden, this lady shows up at our door. And she said, uh, are you uh, the new teacher here? And I, I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'm here to help. And I said, you are? And she said, I want to help you. And she said, I just saw it in the newspaper and I'm just here to help. And I said, oh, thanks. And Raylene, my goodness, yeah. So we began to haul stuff in. And this lady spent three days in our home. Eight hours a day, three days in a row, putting stuff away, washing our dishes, lining the cabinets, doing all the stuff, you know, that, that needs to happen to get back into a place of life. And after three days, you know, she was finished with the job. And I'm telling you, we were absolutely delighted. But when she left our home, and honestly, we never saw her again after that, she was beaming. I mean, there was just this glow and she, I remember her saying, thank you for letting me be a part of your life in this way. Well, I mean, we were just blown away. But it was this woman who, I don't even know who, what her name is. She taught us this incredible lesson. Just the, the power of generosity. And, you know, sometimes it is. It's more humbling to receive than it is to give. And so for us, it was kind of a humbling thing. But we were just so delighted in what she did for us. And so this whole thing of the win-win proposition of generosity. First of all, the scripture establishes this fact. God's word, God speaks to us. He establishes the fact that generosity is the way to live. Proverbs 11.25. It says, the generous man will prosper. The word prosper there means get fat. And I go, Lord, I don't know if I need that anymore. Um, trying to sort of turn the, the corner on that. I, but, but the word fat here means fat of soul, fat of spirit. And, and it means, the, the word prosperity means you're, you're actually living abundantly. You're, you're living life the way that God made it to live. It says, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. The word refresh means to be soaked to be bathed, to be saturated. And by the way, in a, a, a desert culture like the Israelites, water was, was a, a, just a, this beautiful symbol of life. And what, what the Bible here is teaching is that those who refresh, who bathe, who soak, who saturate others with kindness will themselves be soaked, bathed, and saturated with the kindness of God. The Word of God very clearly establishes this in the Proverbs. And if you'll read the Proverbs, you'll see many, many times God speaking this, these concepts into our hearts. What is a proverb? A proverb is, a, is a, just a timeless principle that helps us to live in wisdom. You might say, well, what is wisdom? Wisdom is very simple. Wisdom is simply understanding and learning how God designed life to be lived. And then as we learn to live life in wisdom, we're blessed, others are blessed, and God is pleased. And so always, when we learn to live in wisdom, it is a win-win situation. This is why the Apostle Paul, speaking to Timothy, the pastor of one of the churches in the Middle East, he says this, 1 Timothy 6, 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds 
and to be generous and willing to share. God says, I, I, this is the kind of people, these, my people, my royal, kingly priests, these are the way, this is the way I've really called them to live. It's not just a call. It is, this is the Holy Spirit living within them. This, this is the life I've placed within, in them. So the scripture establishes this. Number two, our observation of life confirms this. Simply by observation, we can confirm the truth of the Bible. That, sure enough, it's right. When people act miserly, selfish, self-centered, you know, it's all about them. Uh, they are miserable. Do you, do you know miser and miserable? They come from the same root word. You can't separate the two. <laughs> I, I remember just not long ago, just a couple of months ago, I saw uh, some people who I knew, not a part of our church, but I, I know them, their elder parent had died the last, uh, the, the, both parents now were dead, and so now they had to open up the will and, and, and decide who would get the stuff. And, and people who used to have brain cells turned into absolute barracudas, fighting over the stuff. Now I'm going to get this. Now I'm going to get this. Now, Dad wanted me to have this. No, Dad wanted me to have that. I want that. I'm going, what in the, what is this? I mean, I look at these people and I go, boy, I really want, I want to be like them. That's the way I want to be. In fact, I caught, it so profoundly affected me that I called my, my brother, who is two years younger than I, lives in Albia, and I said, Dave, this is happening right now. I see this happening. And I said, when our dad passes away and goes to be with the Lord, we're never going to act this way. And if we ever do, you can just go ahead and have all the stuff. He said, hot dog, that's good. That sounds good to me. <laughs> no. You know, our commitment is we're not going to live that way. See, on the converse, when you see people who are selfless and generous, not, not just generous with their stuff, but generous with their words of encouragement and blessing, and they're, they're just so open just to, just to be kind. And I, I'm telling you, you just want to hang. These people become so incredibly attractive. They become so beautiful. And I believe in many ways it is the drawing power of the Holy Spirit leading people from darkness into light as they see displayed before them the beautiful, rich generosity of God's people. I mean, they're just absolutely attractive and beautiful. So, practically speaking, I I think being generous is is really the smartest thing that anybody could ever learn to live. And... uh, you know, if you want the quality, the quality of your life just lifts. The, the quality of relationships lift in, in an environment of generosity. And I think this is really why God says, the Holy Spirit living within you, part of the deal is He's placed in you this, this rich generosity. So, the scripture establishes it. Our observations in life confirm the fact that it's a win-win proposition. Number three, our experience in life supports this. Our experiences in life support this. And what I want to say is simply this. I don't know, I'm sure all of you have done some, probably many, many hundreds of acts of generosity. And when you do them, doesn't it make you feel good? (laughs) How do you feel when you know that there's a neighbor next door that's been in the hospital going through, you know, uh, uh, surgery, and you you decide you're going to take them over a a casserole, and you you know, it's it's not like a big deal, but you go to their door and you say, listen, I know you've been in the hospital, we just, you know, we just want you to know, we've been praying for you, been thinking about you, and we want you to have some food. 
and, and you walk away with sort of this little ching. You know, like that was that was good. That that was good. I, this week. I walked out to our mailbox and I got our mail and as I walked away, I looked down our neighbor's mailbox sits right by ours and there was a letter lying right down by their mailbox and I picked it up and it was addressed to them and it looked kind of important. I mean, I I could tell it wasn't just one of those, you know, third class deals. So I walked down to their house and I knocked on their door and he came to the door and I said, you know what, I I found this envelope and I, I thought maybe... Uh, you might want this. And he goes, <gasps> like that. Well, so that kind of gave it away that maybe that was kind of an important piece of mail. And he said, thank you. And I said, not, not a problem. Not a problem. And I walked away, and all of a sudden I thought, had a baby. Now, I don't think that's an ego trip. I think that's the Holy Spirit within going, yeah, that's, that's the way you're supposed to live. That this, you know, just being willing to be kind whenever those... Being ready to distribute, you know. <laughs> being ready to distribute. And I just... With that attitude. Um, so, so what, what I'm saying is... Listen. Generosity is the win-win proposition. You can't, you can't lose by being generous. This morning... <laughs> I'm driving into... I, I had trouble getting here because our, our horses... Uh, we're giving me a hard time. And so I'm late. I'm running late to get to church. And so I'm hurrying down, you know, going about 85 down Highway 20, coming in to turn off the exit Cedar Falls and come into the church. And I'm ripping down the highway. And all of a sudden I look across on the other side of Highway 20 and there is this young couple. I could see them. They were young man, young woman, and they're walking along the side of the road. He's got a guitar case a suitcase under his arm and another suitcase he's carrying and she's got two suitcases she's carrying and I look across there and I go, dang it. I mean, this, this like this stuff preaches good, you know, but... <laughs> and, and then God said, are you, are you ready to distribute? And it's like, okay, all right. So I turn off the exit and I get back up on 20 going the other way and I'm, I, I real quickly caught up with him and I pull the car over and this young man came up uh, to my car and uh, I said, where are you going? He said, I'm, I'm trying to get to Dubuque. And I said, okay, this, this, this young man's the age of our oldest son. And I said, uh, well, where do you need to, where do you, can I help you somewhere? He said, yes, I've got someone that's going to meet me at a truck stop. And if, if I can get there in, in an hour, they're going to help me get to Dubuque because I have a job there. He said, I've lost my work in Marshalltown. Uh, my wife and I don't have anywhere else to go, so we're going to go to Dubuque. We know some people there, and, and we have a job there. And I said, where, where do you need to go? He said, I, I, don't, he said, I don't even know. It's like, it's like Moose Walk or it's uh, Deer Trot. Or, I said, Elk Run. He goes, that's it. Elk Run. <laughs> I said, okay, all right. I said, get in, you know, get in. So pop the trunk, load loads of stuff in, get, get them in there, and, and we start driving down. And we begin to visit and talk. And this is an articulate young man. His wife was Hispanic. And I don't know that she spoke an awful lot of English, but this is an articulate, bright young man. Homeless, essentially homeless. Took him to the truck stop, got out. There was his friend. Uh, I, I just said, could I pray for you? I was, I was sort of surprised by his response. He said, would you? 
I said, you bet. Yeah. I mean, what an honor. Just, just to be ready to distribute. Just, you know, so what? Cost me 20 minutes and a buck of gas. But what a great honor to, to just represent the Lord Jesus and His kindness. So, what I'm saying is, our experience definitely, definitely supports the fact that generosity is a win-win situation. I remember, I'm just thinking of all kinds of stories. I remember a time where we were a church of about 100 people. We were in the Chalet Center. We found out that there was a group of Hispanic people come up from Mexico and they were living in a trailer court. Winter was setting in. It had, uh, temperatures had dropped down to about 30 degrees. They're out there in, in tank tops and shorts and flip-flops and that's all they had and they were absolutely they were like getting ready to freeze to death and I remember we went back gathered all our crew up man we got coats and we got blankets and we got all kinds of took it out to this trailer court and we went door to door and we distributed all the stuff and everybody got something man they were so we got stuff for the kids and and I, I, I think they were happy about it I couldn't understand anything they were saying but it, it just by their facial expression it seemed like things were good for them that they were so appreciative of this and we're walking back to the pickup and Ben Rindles who was the son of one of our associate pastors Marv Rindles Ben Rindles is walking by me he's about 10 years old at the time and he goes Dan this is the greatest day of my life I said really? he said oh man this is the greatest day of my life you know you think about Christmas you know 11 months out of the year sometimes we treat each other like crud but that one month in the year, suddenly everybody kind of wakes up. And they're letting, you know, like, like the, the, you know, these people go ahead, go ahead, you know, you, I'm, I'm, I got my stuff, you go ahead, let people in front, they're, they're planning, they got their list. Do you know why things so change in that one month? Because people aren't thinking as much about themselves, they're thinking about giving. And there is just a lift that takes place in people's lives. So, what I'm saying is, that this is a royal, noble, kingly life God has called us to. And this whole thing of generosity is absolutely the most brilliant win-win proposition that I think could ever be offered anyone. Number four, here's the last point. Our joyful, eternal future depends on this. When I say this, I'm talking about living a life of generosity. Now notice I say the joyful, eternal future. I believe we all have an eternal future if we have Jesus Christ living in our hearts. But I tell you that not just the now is affected by generosity. I believe generosity affects the, the yet to come. And if I'm reading my Bible right, and if in fact there is a heaven, which I happen to believe there is, then I believe that when I am generous and when you are generous, we are feeding our future better than any 401k could ever do. And I'm not saying anything wrong with 401k. The Bible says we ought to invest our resources here upon this earth. That's, that's fine. But I'm telling you that generosity is feeding our future. I mean, just practically, it's the most, it's the most logical, rational, most well-reasoned decision anybody will ever make to say, I'm gonna live a life of generosity. I'm, I'm gonna be Noble. I'm going to be high-minded. I'm going to be magnanimous. I'm going to open my hands. I'm going to be ready to distribute. And I'm telling you, it feeds our future. 
I can tell you, my friends, and I know many of you could come up here and just share the same things. Anytime I open my heart to feed, uh, you know, broken, hurting people, when I open financially my wallet to help the ministry of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, what I'm doing is I'm not only helping the ministry go forward, the kingdom go forward. Listen to me, I, I'm also earning wonderful dividends for, for my future. And so it's not just a matter of I'm a good guy and I want to help God. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, I'm a man filled with the Spirit, but I want to have a joyful, eternal life. And so I believe my eternal life really does depend on, at least in part, my ability to walk in generosity. Every act of kindness you ever do, down to the simple act of giving someone a cold cup of water. I'm telling you, anybody, just just those, we got these sweet people back there right now taking care of our babies. And they're back there just loving on those babies. Let me tell you something. We might not notice that. We might not always say thank you. We should say thank you. little pastoral admonition. We, we don't always say that. But I'm telling you, God knows. God sees. God is aware. And in fact, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17, it says this. He who is kind. And the word there, kind, means charitable and generous. He who is kind, charitable and generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And he, God, will reward him for what he has done. So there is reward, my friends. So let me give you a summary and we'll close. The summary is this. Becoming a generous person is the smartest way. It is the smartest way. There ain't, I don't think, a better way. It is the smartest way in terms of the way the Bible teaches Two, first of all, increase the quality of our lives now. I mean, if you want to lift in the quality of your life, just walk out what's already within. And that is a spirit of generosity. And then number two, becoming a generous person is the smartest way to prepare us for our eternal destiny to come. And so, folks, we're we're going to take a little five-week journey. We're going to talk about generosity. We're going to look at the different angles. I want you to know, you're not going to hear a lot of, in fact, I don't think you're going to hear any of, you ought to, you should. Um, if you really love God, this is the way you do it. No, listen. Uh, the fact is, I'm going to appeal to what is already within you, and that is this rich, rich spirit of generosity. So, why don't we stand together? Could we please? And we'll have our worship team come. You're more than enough. You're all I need. I love it. Um, can I ask, and by the way, I want to say the list that I just, what I just shared, that's not an exclusive list. If you're here and you need prayer beyond anything that I shared, I want you to feel welcome to come and receive prayer. But I want to just ask, how many of you did anything that I share there connect with you? Okay, so there are numbers of you that need prayer. Could I, before I ask you to come, could I assemble a prayer team up here? Those of you that are leaders in our church, uh, part of our teams here, our small group leaders, our celebrate recovery leaders, our past leaders, our, <laughs> I mean, we got leaders. If you've gone through leadership training just recently and you just need more time to come up and pray, I just want to encourage you to come. And, and, uh, you know what, Jane and Kaz, this is my sister and my brother. Would you guys come up and help us pray? I just feel like you guys maybe are going to have, okay. Now, those of you that lifted your hand, Come on up. It's just going to take a second. Just, just going to take a few moments. Just come on up. 
and step up in front of these folks and we're going to pray for you and ask the Lord to do what he absolutely loves to do. It is his nature to show his goodness to his people. So just feel welcome to come. And as you come, I just want to say, now, Father, bless this time as we pray for each other. Bless this ministry time. Father, thank you for my church. Lord, let us truly live a life of generosity. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you all. See you next week. The Lord bless you. Let's stay right here and pray for each other. God bless you.